Welcome into Lockdown Blackhawks for Thursday, December 19th, 2019. We are part of the Lockdown Podcast Network, your team every day. My name is Jay Zawoski. Thank you so much for tuning in. A lot to get to on this episode. The Blackhawks lose 4-1 to to the Colorado Avalanche at the United Center. They play the Winnipeg Jets tonight. Brent Seabrook was a healthy scratch. There's a whole lot to get to in this episode. We're also going to preview tonight's matchup against the Winnipeg Jets. Before we get started, want to give you the voicemail line, 708-653-0572. The Twitter account, at LO underscore Blackhawks. And the email address, LockedOnBlackhawks at gmail.com. So, Hawks lose 4-1. to And, you know, as we've talked about this team all season long, it's been a roller coaster. It's a, use, it's a word I've used a lot this season to describe the team. And this loss, I don't know how to put this, but it's just a loss. They played a team that was better than them, and the better team won. And while that's hard to swallow, right? It's hard to accept another two points gone the other way to, to another team. The Avalanche are just better. And I think the Hawks played a solid game last night. Aside, it was. I think the game was closer than the score indicated. Yes, early on, the Hawks gave a bunch of odd man rushes up, which is never good. You never want that to happen, obviously. But as the game went on, the Hawks closed the gap a little bit. Corey Crawford was really good to start. I think that first goal he'd probably want back. But he made more than made up for a soft goal with five or six or seven incredible saves throughout the game. You saw Jonathan Taves working his ass off. You saw Brandon Saw working hard. I think Alex Nylander played really well. Yeah, there were some head-scratching decisions, which he's going to do every game or every shift, but the effort was there from him. DeBrinkit was good. Duncan Keith had like 10 shot attempts. So the Hawks played well. And by the way, how nice is it to have Duncan Keith back? God, the defense just looks so much more stable with him there. But I, I'm not going to get all fired up about this loss. I'm just not. The Avalanche are, in my opinion, the best team in the Western Conference. And for them to come in and beat a bottom-feeding team like the Blackhawks, especially when they're not at 100%, is expected. This is sort of the outcome that should have happened, right? But this is where we are with the Blackhawks. This is the kind of team they are. And as frustrating as it can be, did anyone really believe that the Blackhawks should have won this game going into the game last night. Did you say, I think the Hawks are really have a chance. They're, they're the favorites in this game. Nope, they're not. I think they played Colorado about as well as they could. There were no glaring, obvious errors. There were no big mistakes. The better team won. The Avalanche are 22-9-3. The Blackhawks are 13-16-6. And a 3-1 final is probably what you get. Yep, the Avalanche scored a fourth goal on the empty net, but it was basically a 3-1 game. They also, the Hawks, should have had a penalty when Alex DeBrinkett was hit. And I know people are going to ask me about this because of the Dennis Gilbert situation a couple weeks ago. There was a difference between the hit tonight that Gerard put on DeBrinkett, which was clearly dirty, clearly with an intent to injure anytime that happens feel free to unload on that guy you saw Kirby Doc go after him you saw Eric Gustafson go after him he got the penalty of all people 
I have no problem with that. When there's a dirty intent to injure play, I don't mind making a statement saying that will not be tolerated. But that Dennis Gilbert play a couple weeks ago was different. Alex Abrinke got hit hard, but it was a clean hit. Thinking back on it, I believe it was a clean hit. If it wasn't clean, it was an unintentionally dirty hit. What Gerard did last night was 100% dirty, and I'd be surprised if there's not a suspension or a fine handed out after that hit. Debrink had got the shot off. There was a one second, two seconds. Gerard shoved him while he was off balance into the boards. And it's a miracle Alex Debrink is not seriously hurt after that hit. That hurt was that hit was BS. There's no other way to say it. And Gerard should be punished for it. It's just, you know. But the game itself, I want to know from you guys. You always know how to get in touch. Did this game really like get on your nerves? They're just a better team. They're just a better team. That's that's all there is to it. Here's what Jeremy Cowton had to say about the hit. He said, I didn't like it. I thought it was boarding. It was late, and he was in a dangerous spot. Seems like a boarding call to me. Yeah. I think that's pretty obvious. I think that's clearly what the call, what the play was, and I wonder if the league's going to review it. They absolutely should. And if you remember, Gerard and Debrinkit dropped the gloves last month. So there was intent there. Gerard knew who that was, and he waited for his opportunity to deliver a cheap shot on Alex Debrinkit, and he did it. But not the reason the Hawks lost. A penalty there would have been nice. With just over six minutes left in the third period, it would have been nice to have a power play. Instead, the Hawks get called on a penalty. Nothing happens to Gerard. And that's two minutes where the Hawks don't have an opportunity to score. Maybe they score in that power play. All of a sudden, the game's 3-2, and it's a different story. The refs blew that call. It was a dirty play. At worst, it should have been offsetting. Gustafson knew when he was going into that corner that he was probably going to take a penalty. He knew that. But everyone on that ice and everyone in that building saw what happened and realized it should have been a penalty, and it wasn't. Blown call by the referees. Alex Debrinkit is a star player in this league. His birthday was last night. He turned 22 years old. And you want Samuel Gerard putting him in a dangerous situation that could have seriously injured him. If there's not a review, if there's not a suspension, if I was a Hawks, I'd be absolutely furious about it. The other thing I want to get to, Brent Seabrook, the healthy scratch. Um, you know, this is not an unexpected thing. I, you know, I think before the season began, we all sort of talked about it, said he's probably the seventh defenseman on this team. And I believe that. I liked what I saw from Gilbert. I want Boquist playing. You need Gustafson's offense in case of the power play. And guess what? His defense wasn't awful last night either. Connor Murphy's playing. You want to make an argument for Olimata being out? Fine. But this is what it's going to be. Brent Seabrook is the seventh best defenseman on this team. Duncan Keith was asked if it's tough to see Seabrook scratched. He said, quote, yeah, it is. I thought he had been playing well. When we're in the D zone a long time, we could break down every little play. Tough to pin it on one guy out there when there's five guys, end quote. That's true. And I don't think anyone's completely blaming Brent Seabrook by any means. It's going to be interesting to see how this core reacts to this. And Duncan Keith, another quote later, said, we've got to have a little more emotion. It's not going to just turn around. It's not going to just happen. We need to make it happen. We need to get a little pissed off. Yeah, because it doesn't look like Jeremy Cowden's going to be fired anytime soon. 
So if the pouting is still happening because he's the head coach, they're going to have to get used to it because he's here. They've got to play for the guy that's here, and hopefully they do get a little pissed off. I've seen it from Taves lately. Taves is playing pissed off, and it makes a difference. It needs to trickle down to the entire roster. It's Locked On Blackhawks, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. My name's Jay Zawoski. Every day when there was a game the night before, we go over the pluses and minuses, and today is no exception. Let's take a look at the pluses. First plus of the game for me is going to go to Ryan Carpenter. That goal he scored was an absolute snipe. I didn't know he was capable of that. Three shots on goal, another shot, another shot blocked, and 15-11 of ice time. So a solid game for Carpenter. I mentioned it earlier. I thought Alex Nylander played a pretty decent game. He had a shot on goal. He had another missed shot. Four hits for Alex Nylander, and you saw him playing physically. The thing we've got to figure out with Alex Nylander is what is the malfunction in the brain that is preventing him from taking chances to score when they're there? Is it a lack of confidence? Is it an overanalysis? I don't know what it is. He's got to be more aggressive when he's got the puck. He has to be. And then there was a moment in the first period where he had the puck toward in, near the slot. Patrick King was open right next to him, and you could see he just he gets stuck between his thoughts. He gets stuck between his options, and he holds the puck too long, and then he ends up with nothing. The effort's there. The ability is there. Now it's got to come over to the mental part of the game. I thought he played well. He played hard. We've got to minimize those head-scratching decisions, though, that Alex Nylander seems to make every night. Next positive goes to Duncan Keith. 23-16 in his return to the lineup. Six shots on goal. Four more shots blocked. He blocked two shots of his own. A takeaway, a hit. Really solid bounce back not bounce back but return game for Duncan Keith he was a minus two Connor Murphy was a minus three but look Colorado is a highly skilled like I said earlier I I believe the best team in the west maybe the best team in hockey those guys were up against it and it showed on the plus minus sheet but I think overall Duncan Keith played a solid game I thought Kirby Doc had a nice game a little more aggressive offensively taking shots had a nice opportunity in front. He was parked in front. He had two shots on goal uh, and two more missed or blocked. So he was he was a factor. Kirby Doc was a factor. A couple nice plays as well. He played 13-43 last night. I mentioned it after the game against Minnesota. He needs to simplify his game. Maybe message received, not from me, obviously, but from a coach telling him to simplify his game a little bit. Keep it simple. Get pucks on net, go to the net, and good things are going to happen. And look, he's got the skill. We've seen the skill on display. We haven't seen it as consistently as we'd probably like. But tonight was a step forward for Kirby Doc. I thought he played one of his better games of his last little stretch. Still no points. It's been a long time since Kirby Doc has picked up a point. But look, the Hawks have scored, you know, in their last one, two, three, four, five games. They have four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten goals. That's not good. Ten goals in five games is not good. For the record, in case you're keeping score at home, they need to score more goals than that. With that in mind, another plus for me goes to Corey Crawford, who, uh, despite giving up a soft goal 
there in the first period more than made up for it with some miraculous saves as the game went on. So solid performance for me from Corey Crawford. Now let's get to the minuses. First minus of the game is going to go to the referees for absolutely blowing that call on Samuel Gerrard. Uh, you can't miss that. That play can't be missed. That hit can't be missed. That's going to be, uh, again, hopefully reviewed by the league. To miss that hit on Alex Dabrinkit is really, really sort of inexcusable for the referees to not see that, especially given where it happened on the ice, given what had just happened with him putting a shot on goal. Someone should have had their eyes on those two. Just naturally, from watching the course of the game, someone on the ice had to see that. That hit was late, and it was dangerous. There should be a suspension. Next minus goes to Connor Murphy. Minus three. That's tough. It's a tough minus, but it's a reality. Uh, he was pretty much dominated last night. Uh, two shots on goal. Uh, two giveaways. He had five uh, He had five hits, leading the team in hits, tied with Eric Gustafson. So, you know, doing sort of the things you want to see a defenseman do, four block shots, but minus three, that's no good. Dominic Kubelik is going to get a uh, minus zero shot attempts playing on the top line with Jonathan Taves. That's not, that can't happen. You cannot have zero shot attempts when you're playing on the top line. No shot on goal. Maybe no shot attempts. Inexcusable. That can't happen. He only played 1239 in his defense, but he was playing on that top line or second line. However you want to shake it out with Jonathan Taves. He's got to be more effective. And my last minus of the game Goes to Dylan Strom, one shot on goal, another shot missed. He won four and lost 10 faceoffs, 29% on faceoffs last night. He's got to be better. For the faceoff dot, he typically is, but not a strong game at the dot for Dylan Strom. It's Lockdown Blackhawks, part of the Lockdown Podcast Network, your team every day. Jay Zawoski with you here. We just reviewed... Last night's 4-1 loss to the Colorado Avalanche. The good news is the Hawks get a chance to redeem themselves tonight in Winnipeg against the Winnipeg Jets, 7 p.m. on NBC Sports Chicago. But before we go behind enemy lines, want to do a special shout-out. Doc Emmerich was inducted into the Hall of Fame uh, earlier this week. And, I, you know, my job in sports media at 670 The Score, I've met a lot of very cool and very interesting people. And uh, people always ask, like, wow, who's the coolest guy or who's, like, the biggest dick, whatever, who is, not who has, by the way, for the record. Um, who's the nicest guy? The answer is Doc Emmerich. He is the most sincere, even-keeled, nice, zero-ego uh, guy who just totally understands how lucky and blessed he is to have the life he has and to have the job he has. Uh, Doc Emmerich, here's a little story about Doc Emmerich. When we were... In Boston with the score in 2013 for the Stanley Cup final. We had him visit us in Chicago earlier that season. They were in town for the broadcast. It was towards the end of the year, but it was still two, three months ago. He calls us up and he says, Hey, I'm running a little early. Can I stop and get you guys some Dunkin' Donuts? We're like, sure. It's funny, a huge celebrity like Doc Emmerich. This never happens, by the way. Most of the time when celebrities come in, if they're nice or they're not, there's sort of like an understanding of like, oh, we can get you lunch if you need it, or we'll pay for your parking or whatever we have to do to get you here. 
he offered to bring us snacks from Dunkin' Donuts. So we said, yeah, cool. I'll take a nice coffee, you know, bagel, whatever. I don't remember what the orders were, but it was like a maybe $15 order. No big deal. We're in Boston. This has to be two, three months later. We're in Boston. And we say, hey, Doc, can you come by? We're broadcasting it. Uh, I can't remember the place, but it's right across the street from the Bruins Arena. It's like, yeah, no problem. I'll be there tomorrow. I'll see you in the morning. Comes by. Remembers our order. Now, I don't know if he had it like from our previous text exchanges. Maybe he just had our previous exchange in his phone. So he just was like, oh, yeah, these are the guys I got Dunkin' Donuts for. I'll do it again because there's a Dunkin' Donuts every five feet in Boston. Comes in again without asking and brings us all Dunkin' Donuts again. And look, that might not sound like a big deal, but anyone who's met a celebrity in their life, especially when they're not, what's the word, when they're not guarded or they don't know like they're being watched, if you meet a celebrity in in real life, sometimes it can be a little standoffish, and I get that. Like, no one likes people coming up to him at dinner and talking to him and whatever. But there was no camera on Doc Emmerich when he did the Dunkin' Donuts thing. He didn't have to do that. There was literally no reason for it. No one expected it. No one would have been mad if he didn't do it. It was just an incredible gesture. And aside from that, even without the favors or whatever you want to call them, just a sincerely nice man. And when you talk to him, he listens. He remembers your name. He remembers things about you. He gives follow-up questions. He's not just paying you lip service. He's actually listening. Uh, I want you guys to know that Doc Emmerich is as real as they come and as good of a man as they come in hockey and in sports and in life. Congratulations to Mike Doc Emmerich. Now let's go behind enemy lines. Tonight's opponent, the Winnipeg Jets, are 20-12-2. They are 6-3-1 in their last 10. This game is in Winnipeg. The Jets are 10-6-1 at home. They have a plus-7 goal differential. And their 42 points put them third in the Central Division. Dallas has 42 points as well, but they've played one fewer game. Dallas has the number one overall spot. Updating the standings for the Blackhawks. 13, 16, and 6 for 32 points. Minus 19 goal differential. They are 3-6-1 and one in their last 10. They are 5-8-3 on the road. And they are now in dead last in the Western Conference. They're a point they're even with the Anaheim Ducks, but the Ducks have one more win in regulation. They're a point behind the LA Kings and two points behind the San Jose Sharks. That said, the top wild card spot is ten points ahead of them in Dallas with forty two. So it looks bad, but they're eight points out of the last wild card spot. But they are currently, the Blackhawks, dead last in the Western Conference. (sighs) This is where it is, folks. This is the reality. Let's look at the possession numbers. In the last 10 games, the Winnipeg Jets are 23rd in Corsi 4 percentage, 48.04. That's 417 shot attempts for, 451 shot attempts against. The Blackhawks are one spot behind them at 24th. 47.95 47.95 Corsi 4 percentage. That's 444 shot attempts for, 
482 again. So the Hawks are shooting more and getting more shots against them as it goes. In the high danger scoring chances category, the Winnipeg Jets in their last 10 games are 27th with a 43.72 high danger chances for percentage, 87 high danger chances for, 112 against. The Blackhawks are 30th in their last 10 games ahead of only, that's right, the Detroit Red Wings. The Hawks are 42.42% in high danger chances for, 70 high danger chances for, 95 against. So, you know, we're starting to see. You know, we, we want to know who the real Blackhawks are. They're starting to tell us. And it's probably not what we want to hear. And uh, it's just not, I don't know, hopefully Duncan Keith's return means something. I'm not overly upset with the performance last night. If the Hawks play most games like they played Colorado, they're going to win some games. If they play Winnipeg tonight that same way, they're probably going to win. If they play New Jersey on Monday that way, they're probably going to win. So it's just a matter of how long can they stay positive and motivated as they continue to fall in the standings. And it's, you know, it's too early for them to be this far down. But I'm going to say it again. I should just rename this podcast from Locked On Blackhawks to Missed Opportunities Blackhawks because that's what it is. That's what this has been. There have been games that they've let go. How many? Three? Four? Games where they should have won or they had in hand and lost? How would eight more points look right now? Eight more points? They'd have 40 points. They'd be either tied or right behind Calgary in a wild card spot. You're going to have losses. Some nights you just play teams that are better than you. That's what happened last night. But when you have an opportunity to beat teams that you are better than or as good as, you've got to take advantage. And I don't think the Winnipeg Jets are that much better than the Blackhawks. I really don't. I know their record is better. I don't think they're that great. I don't think they're that great of a team. And I think this is a winnable game. And we applauded the bounce back against the Minnesota Wild on Sunday. Let's see the bounce back tonight in Winnipeg after last night's loss to Colorado. All right, that's going to do it for Locked On Blackhawks for Thursday, December 19th, 2019. Thanks so much for tuning in. Very much appreciate it. As far as next week goes, I'm not sure what the schedule is, to be honest with you. I would not imagine there will be a Christmas episode, but I do think there will be episodes every other day. So Monday, Tuesday, Thursday, Friday, expect episodes to air. The Hawks play Monday and Friday, so there's not going to be a whole lot going on. Maybe we'll try to do a special sort of christmas theme show on Tuesday, something like that. It'll be Talk Back Tuesday, but maybe I'll have a special assignment for Talk Back Tuesday for the listeners. With that, though, let's wrap things up. Thank you so much for listening always to Lockdown Blackhawks, part of Lockdown Podcast Network. Remember, if you're not already a subscriber, please hit that subscribe button. Turn on those notifications so you're reminded every time a new episode posts. So you know I publish the episodes every morning at 5 a.m. Central Time. I want them out. We have a lot of people that listen on the East Coast, so I want it available at 6 a.m. Eastern. Um, So that's why I publish it then. So every day at 5 a.m. Chicago time, give or take a few minutes based on, you know, podcast software updating, podcast providers getting things out. It will be right around 5 a.m. every day, so you can start looking for it then if you're an early bird like I am. Thank you for listening. Thanks for telling a friend. 
Thanks for listening to Lockdown Blackhawks, part of the Lockdown Podcast Network, your team every day.